Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was all about this very odd story in John's Gospel of the woman caught in adultery and what happens next, um, and how Jesus treats her, and how Jesus treats us, really, um, and uh, are we accepted um, in Jesus' sight? Uh, the answer is yes, um, and we're going to just talk more about what this story means. So let's get into it. Sounds good. So we're talking a little bit of off off podcast or pre-podcast mm-hmm. about this story and how how it really is kind of odd mm-hmm. you want to talk about you want to talk about that a little bit sure yeah so uh, what i was telling eric uh, is that this story um in the gospel of john um is not included in a lot of the earliest manuscripts of the gospel of john um and a lot of ancient manuscripts do put like an asterisk by this um because it is an insertion. Like it is, the the scholarship suggests that this encounter really did happen. But whether this was actually written by John as a part of this gospel remains debated. Um, The story, I mean, this story did happen. Did it happen right where we say it does in scripture? Mm, Maybe not, but it is still definitely in line with Jesus' character is definitely in line with what the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. And so like we can really, we can, we can absolutely take faith in the fact that this encounter did happen, that the scribes and the Pharisees did treat this woman in this way and brought her in front of Jesus and that Jesus did do what Jesus is said to have done in this story, to sit down and write in the dirt and then to, you know, invite her to think bigger about her life, to go into sin no more. Like, this is a well-known story. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a very common story, but yet it is just kind of shrouded in this little bit of a mystery of, you know, should this be in the Bible? Should this be taught? And, like, there was a commentary I read this week that had a long section on if preachers should use this from the pulpit because it is so debated if it belongs where we say it belongs. Hmm. Um, and ultimately the commentary did say, go ahead and preach this scripture, but it definitely did lead to me having a couple conversations with some colleagues of saying, Hey, I want to talk about this question of, of us being accepted in Jesus sight. And this is the story that I want to use to do that, to illustrate this, because it just so clearly illustrates the difference between how the world can treat someone and how Jesus is going to treat everybody. Um, you know, and so I wanted to, I wanted this story and we kind of tossed around a couple of ideas. Uh, we tossed around a couple of ideas out of the old Testament, a couple of ideas out of the epistles. And I said, no, I really want to leave this through the lens of the gospels. And so is this story, the story to do that? And, you know, but it was debated this week. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. This is so the debate around this is still so ongoing that I was just looking at a red-letter Bible, and even in the words of Jesus, the things that, because Jesus does not admittedly speak a lot in this story, mm-hmm. but he says a great deal with his actions, but he does tell the crowds, or the, the, the crowds of scribes and Pharisees, the, the line about, if you don't have sin, cast the first stone, and he does tell the woman, I don't accuse you, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either, go and sin no more. This story is so debatable that even a red-letter Bible that is supposed to highlight the words of Jesus, all of the words of Jesus, 
including the ones that are not in the gospel, like in the in, in red letter Bibles, in like the book of Revelation where Jesus is talking, those get red letters. This story doesn't. This story in the Bible I was just looking at is in parentheses and italicized and does not get the red letter treatment as being confirmed and literal words of Jesus. I think the story still stands. I mm-hmm. think the story still, I mean, there's a reason why I ended up using it as our scripture for, for this week. Th- this story still stands and teaches us important stuff about who Jesus is. Well, yeah, I mean, like when he says, I don't accuse you, so go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. There's so much peace to that. Yeah. Like no matter what we do, whenever we feel inadequate mm-hmm. in our faith, it still doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Right. Or if we've messed up and we just mm-hmm. feel like we can no longer continue being a person of faith because we've, we, I've, I've, I've been there before and also I know of others that have been there before. Jesus does not excuse her sin. Jesus does not excuse her shortcomings, but yet he still says, I do not condemn you. Mm-hmm. Go and sin no more. There is a hope in that. There is a bigger hope in that. And that's, I mean, and that's just the pure nature and definition of what grace is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. It's not, it's not go and do whatever you want right, exactly. once you leave this place. Yep. No, it's, it's stop screwing up. Stop doing what you've been doing. Right. Yep. Change. Yeah, we are to be, I mean, and the, the lesson for us is that we're to be actively striving, you know, for, you know, actively striving to live a life of faith mm-hmm. that rests on doing the things that Jesus told us to do and not doing the things that Jesus told us not to do. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I'm sorry that that puts things off limits for us, but there are limits to what we can and cannot do because of our faith. So... What's the context of this story? Like, and I know it talks about it in the scripture, but let's, yeah. can, we, can we go over that again? Like, what's happening? What's, you know, in the time of Jesus, like, what's going on? Sure. Um, so Jesus is presenting a series of teachings um, around the temple area. So this is happening in Jerusalem. Um, and so Jesus has been teaching, and actually a very interesting thing happens at the end of chapter 7. Um, Nicodemus, who we, whom we meet in John 3, that comes to Jesus by night, and who Jesus gives, you know, the gospel of miniature called John 3.16. Um, the scribes and the Pharisees are debating about who Jesus is, and they're basically acting as though he has done something wrong, even though they can't prove it. And Nicodemus stands up for Jesus in front of the scribes and the Pharisees. And, he, and the scribes and the Pharisees are like, Ugh, are you a Galilean too? You know, basically mm-hmm. saying, you know, do you want to go follow him instead of be a scribe or a Pharisee? Like, you know, remember where you are, remember who you are, and not in the way that we usually use that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone goes to their own homes. That's they're, they're done for the night. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray, is what we learn in, eight, in, eight, in chapter 8, verse 1. And then right in dawn of the next morning, he's back in the temple courts to preach and, and teach. And so... He is in the midst of talking to a crowd of people when the scribes and Pharisees bring this woman that they have... Pause. Yep. Was it normal for a rabbi to teach in the temple courts? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. This, this, was, this would have been very much his job or his 
you know, a, a very much a part of his responsibilities as a rabbi and also his right as a rabbi. Okay, because last week we had talked about how it's a little bit different than pastors being assigned to churches and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yes. he would have had kind of his home synagogue, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, but this would be different. I mean, this is this is in the temple, yeah, correct? Yeah, this is in the temple courts. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I'm just trying to understand the yeah, whole Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so in the midst of this teaching experience, here come the scribes and the Pharisees with a woman that they say they have caught in the act of adultery. We don't know what happened to the man. We don't know who the man was. We don't even know if she actually did what they said she did. Or if she was just a woman. Yeah. I mean, when, when you treat her, when the Pharisees and the scribes treat her as nothing more than a prop, she could have been just a random woman off the street. And it wouldn't have mattered because they made this accusation in such a public way that did not need to happen. It was all about arrogance for them. I mean, Oh, it was, yes. And it just seems the end of jesus's life it just it was about arrogance 100 yes. percent, maintaining yep. the status quo mm-hmm. yes very oh very much yes it was about arrogance and it was about spectacle mm-hmm. and they wanted to make an example out of jesus by using this woman so mm-hmm. yep so they say to the rabbi which is their job that that's their right that's their job as scribes and pharisees to bring these legal issues to a rabbi to pronounce what should happen mm-hmm and so they take him to, they take her to the rabbi and they say, Rabbi, we've just found this woman doing adulterous things. Um, the law is clear that she's to be put to death by stoning. What do you say? And they think that the trap is laid and Jesus mm-hmm. is going to walk right into it. And Jesus chooses, rather than to answer their question, Jesus chooses to sit down and write in the dirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, I mean, we don't really know because we weren't there and scripture doesn't tell us, but, uh, the theories that are out there, um, is one that he is doing this in order to just buy time, uh, that he doesn't quite know exactly how he's going to get himself out of this, but he knows he's going to get himself out of this. And so there, the, the theory one is that he's stalling Mm -hmm. basically, which, I think that's fair. I think that if you're presented in this, it's such it's so clearly devised as a trap. Mm-hmm. And they don't really care what the answer is, only that, you know, they they've got they they feel like they have him either way. Mm-hmm. And so they're gonna he's gonna stall. He's gonna wait it out. Sure. And see if he can, you know, come up with what he's gonna say or you know, that he needs time to come up with with what he's gonna say. Uh, the other theory is that um, he is writing out the names of the Pharisees and the scribes that are in this crowd and like just saying, okay, you are the ones doing this. Um, and then writing out their sins because being Jesus, he would know. Basically, those are, you know, just some of the things that, that Jesus could have been doing. Like, again, we do not know exactly, but those are the theories basically. Mm-hmm. Well, pausing and collecting your thoughts makes sense to me mm-hmm. because that's a big question. Yeah. And he knows all they're trying to do is get him. Yep. So for him to just sit back, think it through, mm-hmm. play in the dirt a little bit. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Yep. It does. It does. Also, you know, if they're going to expose this woman in this way, Jesus being the literal son of God can 
Mm-hmm. And not that Jesus is being vindictive when he's doing this. I just think he wants the people that are making these accusations to understand the gravity of what they're saying and what they're doing mm-hmm. and threatening them with a little of their own medicine may just do just that. Mm-hmm. And so as the, as Jesus is writing and they're continuing to grill Jesus on this, you know, and then Jesus straightens up and says, fine, if one of you, can stand here without sin, cast the first stone. And he goes back to his writing. He doesn't look up again until everyone has left. One of the interesting details that hit me um, in Scripture uh, is that the crowd disperses from the oldest to the youngest. One of my commentaries said is that one possible reason for that is because the oldest would have been the most sinful. And so he knows that he's out. Mm-hmm. When Jesus says, if you have no sin, <laughs> the oldest in the crowd is going to say, I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to walk away. And so from the oldest to the youngest, they walk away from the most sinful to the least sinful, but still sinful, they walk away and leave Jesus alone with the woman. And Jesus doesn't look up until it's just the two of them. I'm sure he knew that the crowd was, that the crowd was dispersing. But yet he still asked the woman, where'd everyone go? Mm-hmm. You're still standing. Where is it? Where'd everyone go? And she says, no one's condemned me. And Jesus says, neither do I. But go and sin no more. You know, not condoning her actions, not, you know, not rubbing her nose in it, not anything, just, you know what you did was wrong. Go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Do better. Like the glimmer of hope, the reason why she would have, I mean, why would you stay? Mm-hmm. If you know that your crowd of people that is accusing you has, is gone and there's only this weird dude sitting on the ground writing, why would you stay? She was as good as dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet because of how Jesus interacted with her, her fate that felt so sealed wasn't. But we're as good as dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And without Jesus, there is, there is nothing after this. Mm-hmm. Without, I mean, this story is a perfect example or a perfect picture of what Jesus' love means for us. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because the hope she has is the same hope that we have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because without it, we're screwed. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Jesus did not have to show her the grace that he showed her except for the fact that he is who he has said he is all along. And of course he is going to be the one that shows him mercy, or the one that shows her mercy and the one that shows her grace, especially in, in light of how the scribes and the Pharisees treated her in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting part of this story, too, is we can put ourselves in every position but Jesus. Jesus' position. Yes. We Treat people like the Pharisees do to this mm-hmm. woman. We are this mm-hmm. woman at times. Yeah. But we're not good at being Jesus in this situation. For sure, yes. You know? So in multiple ways, I mean, this just just points out how amazing all of this is. Mm-hmm. So back to the oldest years. Yeah. Like that has to, I mean, for it to be recorded in the gospel, even though this is questioned if it should mm-hmm. be there or not anyway it has to mean something right yes like it's not just there for fun correct yes 
especially in John's gospel, there are no, there are no wasted phrases in John's gospel. Sure. Everything has a reason. So what is that reason? Mm-hmm. Why does it matter that it was oldest to youngest? Right. And that's why I think the theory of the, the, the degree of sinfulness mm-hmm. is really the explanation because Jesus has just set the bar. Sure. And one by one, they realize that they cannot meet that bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus doesn't condone what she did, mm-hmm. but instructs her how to move forward with life. Exactly. It's popular. I mean, the scriptures, this passage is popular to mm-hmm. apply to us because yeah, it's, it's very relatable. Yep. Um, where do you want to go with that? Well, I mean, I think that there are people that read this and hear Jesus say to her, go and sin no more, and basically think that she can go and do anything that she wants to. Yeah. Um, I think that I've, I, I, well, I know that I've heard that used before um, in that context. And to, to take it that way really misses the point, mm-hmm. uh, really misses the message of the gospel. I mean, it really misses the fact that the gospel... Being told by Jesus to go and sin no more should be a transformational moment in anyone's life, especially hers. It should be transformational in our own lives because when we come to accept Christ as our Savior, that's basically what Jesus tells us to do. You know, there are other places where he puts it differently, you know, to be perfect as my Father is perfect. That's a hard bar to attain, but yet it is what Jesus has challenged us to. Mm -hmm. You know, and so to hear these words go and sin no more those are still words for us like mm-hmm. we may not be an adult, we might not be an adulterous woman but we are still sinners in some way or another and so our call is to remove that sin from our lives to make our lives look more like Christ the sinless one and so rather than looking at that as 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 blanket permission to do whatever i want to do that's not what that's about Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not the message. Like there is every likelihood that that woman did go forth and live her life in a very different way from how she was living it. Jesus set her free in order to do something with her life. And so why wouldn't it be that Jesus sets us free in that same way to do something with our lives for, for God's glory? Because Jesus has saved us just as much. Jesus, Jesus has saved us just as much as he saved her. Like her sins are still forgiven in the eyes of God because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross. Like that's the point of Jesus. But out of love and out of appreciation and out of, you know, our desire to be like that, we live differently. Mm -hmm. And to just take this, we can just so easily get the wrong message. So when we're called to go and sin no more, Mm -hmm. how do we do that? So it's very easy to pay lip service to that. It's very yep. easy to say, yeah, this time I'm not going to do this thing. Right. But how have you found mm-hmm. that when you, whatever, whatever it might be, right. what's been your way of changing your ways? Mm-hmm. It has to be an everyday conscious decision that I'm not going to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And so part of what makes that go is prayer, is by every day starting with a prayer of submission and saying, you know, I struggle with sin in my life. 
and I know that I'm called to higher ways. And so, Jesus, I need you to give me the strength to not do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it really is a it really is a matter of prayer. It really is a matter of invoking the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to to really transform my ways and help me to walk in the way that I know that I need to walk. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the other part of it is that it is kind of environmental. I mean, the other part of it is just you know, um, having a good, solid accountability part team, um, accountability team to say, I am struggling with this today and I need you to, to hold me in prayer mm-hmm. or I need you to hold me accountable if you see me X, Y, Z. Yeah. So. I was going to, yeah, and that's where I was going to go is, you know, something that I'm struggling with, um, the only way for me to get through it uh, I, as, that I have found mm-hmm. is to go and talk to Jenna about it and say, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with this right now. Sure. I need to change what I'm doing. I just need to tell you about it because I know that you'll, right. you know, I trust you and we'll figure this out together mm-hmm. and we'll move on and it'll be fine. Yep. And that's helped me so much. And, yeah, you know, definitely. So often. Um I think that a relationship, it doesn't even have to be your spouse. Yeah, no, definitely. Someone that you can sit down and talk to about those kinds of Mm -hmm. things with is huge. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Like, there is a reason why I'm a part of a clergy group. And, like, we check in with each other multiple times a week. Um, And not just about the sin in our life and what we're worried about, but just, you know, ministry, relationships, you know, I'm stuck on my sermon for Sunday. Can you give me an idea, you know, Mm -hmm. and... Or have you have you wrestled with this passage before? Is there, you know, is there a commentary you can point me towards, or is there, you know, is there an insight that you gained from researching this before? Like, and we just, and then it, it but then it is also that conversation of this is what I'm struggling with, this is how I need you to pray for me, mm-hmm. and then just resting assured, knowing that they are, and vice yeah. versa. So what's next week? Next week, we're going to be dealing with the big question of where is God? Um, you know, there are things that we go through in life. There, there are experiences that we have. They're not usually good experiences, but they do make us wonder, where is God in the midst of all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been there before. I've been alongside people before. You know, it's such a hard thing when life is not going how we think it should go. Mm-hmm. And we do ask the question, where is God in the yeah. midst of all of it? And just, especially in the season of Lent, like we're going to hear Jesus, we're very soon we're going to hear Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like Jesus asks this question. Mm-hmm. This is how big this question is. And so what we're going to be doing to look for an answer is looking at the very prologue of the Gospel of John in John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, where it talks about in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So basically, the answer to the question is that Jesus is the eternal word of God that has been existing since the very foundations of creation. And so when we ask that question, there is such a bigger answer that we're looking for. That might not help us in the temporary moments but yet we can look at our lives and see the big picture and realize that God has been with us every step of the way. Yeah. That God never promises that things are going to be easy just because we're people of faith. 
what God promises is that God will be with us in the midst of all of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we'll be digging into on Sunday. That sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on the Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week at 10 a.m. here in the church or online or for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.